Good morning, church. That's a good way to start. Losing things already. I hope we came to lose the right things and gain the right things this morning. Will you join me in another word of prayer as we enter the throne of grace? What a privilege it is. Heavenly Father, Lord, anoint these vile lips so that they may speak the truth of your love, the wonder of your creation. Help me testify of the righteousness of Christ, the mercy and the grace of Jesus. Show your people this day that you are mighty to save. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. What an opportunity to stand before you. I'm humbled that uh, several weeks ago, Pastor... Um, asked me if I would come and share. And that's pretty much what I want to do today, is share what God has done in my life and um, how that has impacted what my journey's been like. We all have a journey, and uh, through this journey, we can either walk away from Christ or draw closer to Him. In the end, I hope it is a closer walk that we choose to take. So I'm going to start this story out a long time ago, many years back, at um, a situation in a hospital. There was a child being born. It had been 10 hours of labor already. The child was struggling. And um, it didn't look good. The baby was breached. Fifteen hours went by. Twenty hours went by. And the doctors and the nurses were all struggling to save this child. Thirty hours and no baby. They had worked long enough to try to position the child in a way that it would be born naturally. And then the doctor asked for the forceps. Forceps, I'll bring a little humor in there, like like big salad spoons. In the delivery room, they're not a pretty sight, but in your kitchen they could be. So with those forceps... The doctor and the nurses and the staff proceeded to try to wiggle and shake and pull this child out. 36 hours later, a pale, almost lifeless boy was born. And the hard thing about this story is not that the birth was difficult. But the preceding events to this birth were difficult. This mother that had this child was criticized, insulted, and told that she needed to abort this child because she was having this child out of wedlock. And coming from a Christian home, that is not the proper thing. There's disgrace, there's guilt, there's shame, there's fear. 
there's anger, there's doubt, there's uncertainty. What a barrage of human emotions. But that's exactly what happened. But in the midst of all of this, this mother, who is my mother, clung to the promises of God. In the midst of her failures, in the midst of everything that she had gone through, she fought for her son. Blessed are they that mourn, as Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And she cried. Long nights of tears, wondering whether God would love her any longer. Just kind of like the woman at the well in John chapter 4, 39 where Christ met this woman at the well who had a life that was very different. She would go at noon to the well because the reputable people or reputable women of the town would go either in the morning sunrise or late in the evening. And for those of you that know this story, You know that the woman at the well had lived a life that was very, very different than all the townspeople. And she had a reputation. I'm not comparing that to my mother's reputation, but what I am comparing it is to the meeting with Christ. The beauty of meeting with Jesus gave this woman an opportunity to understand that she had value. Gave her an opportunity to know that she was loved. Gave her an opportunity to understand that Christ had a message to fill her with, to fill that thirsty soul of hers that was clamoring for peace. And in that story, we're told that this woman asked for Jesus for the, for, for the water of life. For her to understand how she could receive this so she wouldn't have to come back to the well. So that she wouldn't have to endure pain and suffering and shame that came along with this daily task. And Christ said, no, you got it all wrong. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the beauty of that and Jesus relating to her gave her a hope. And, and she says, you know, when, when Jesus told her that she had four husbands and the, the one that she was living with now, was not her husband. You know, 
she said, wow, this man knows my life. This, this man knows me. And she, she didn't understand the power of the presence of Jesus that was before her. But once she did, and once he revealed himself to her, she ran and told the townspeople. She told them about what Jesus had done for her. And many, many people were saved. Many times out of the life's tragedies, we have many blessings that come, sort of concealed and disguised, and maybe we may not understand them for years to come. But my mother dedicated her life to sharing the gospel. God met her need. And uh, she was a really strong proponent and Bible worker for God. I'm before you here today because many, many years ago, Christ performed a miracle in a small little hospital. And gave me an opportunity to also be here with you today. Many times I've had conversations with my my dear wife, Olga, and and, um, I think I've called myself like a weeping prophet. So if tears roll today, if I have trouble speaking, it's because... I feel it. I feel it deep inside. I've been blessed with emotions, sometimes to my detriment. (laughs) But I'm going to share with you today what the Lord's put on my heart. Since I was a little boy, my mother did her best to try to teach me God's Word. So one of the things that she would do is that she'd sit me down and help me memorize Scripture. And one of those Scriptures that I learned when I was very young was Psalms 23. By the time I was two and a half years old, I was reciting Psalms 23 when I when I um, would get in front of family and my mom would say, okay, share Psalms 23, and I would just cut loose. So I'm going to just review Psalms 23. It's amazing what God has hidden in his word. And when we search for it, when we ask, we shall receive. When we seek, we find. When we knock, the doors are open. So I'm going to open this uh, Psalms 23 to you as the Lord has opened it up to me and I hope and pray that you will be blessed by not only the words there's only six verses in Psalms 23 in this chapter only six verses but there's so much there and I've unpacked 23 things that I've found in Psalms 23 by other sources and what God has given me and I'm going to share those with you today 
Psalms 23 says this. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can pick them up from the pew, or if you have it already memorized, follow me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when it came to that moment when I would say forever, I would put out my hands like this and I would say forever. Forever. So let me let me show you what God has revealed to me in just these six verses, which is, I believe, the message that I want to leave with you today. Many more. I have a few more things that I want to cover. But I want to start with this because this is the open door to talking to you about me and my uncommitted life. Psalms 23 starts with verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. He is a God of relationship. He is a God that wants to spend time with us. He is a God who loves us. And it is because of His amazing love that I'm here today. I shall not want. He is a God who supplies our need. When we are broken, when we're empty, when we're lost, when we're walking away from the light and into the darkness, He still supplies our needs. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. God is a God of rest. He wants you to have that rest in Him. And that's a beautiful thing. He leadeth me beside the still waters. God is a God of refreshment. If you've ever been anywhere where it's hot, I actually just have a brief story with this that the Lord reminded me right now that uh, Olga many years ago told me about a story where her grandfather gave her a drink of water. She was thirsty. And he had this, uh, this water bag, I believe it was, and and then um, he handed it to her and she just drank and drank and drank. And she said that was the sweetest, most refreshing drink she'd had. So if you can imagine that God wants to refresh you if you're thirsty today. He restores my soul. God is a God of healing Wherever your broken parts are, you bring it to Him. He wants to heal you. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. God is a God who guides. I I like this part because when we see the uh, the story of the ninety nine sheep that's that that Jesus talks about, that the good shepherd leaves alone 
to go look for the lost sheep. It is the lost sheep he needed to guide back home. And wherever you're at and whatever you've been, whatever you've done, that's irrelevant to God. Because he takes you from where you are so that he can place you on solid ground to where he he wants you to be. This was so much easier when I was writing it down. I can't believe it. This was so much easier. I had no qualms. I was really at peace. I had a lot of confidence coming over here. It's amazing how God breaks us down so that he can rebuild us. So I praise him for all of this right now in front of you. You know, it takes a lot of courage to stand up before my church family. And just share. Share from the heart. And if I'm not speaking loud enough, please raise your hand because I've been accused of not speaking loud enough and that's uh, that's been to my detriment so I have been soft-spoken so I'll speak up and we'll continue we'll get through this together because you know this verse you know this these verses and that to each of you they mean something different many times they're used in a time when we're going through brokenness or pain or hurt you know when I was preparing for this I was looking through some some documents and I came across a letter that was uh, written to Olga and myself by Judith. And that's when Olga and I were helping Judith with the treasury of the church. We were assistants to her and my heart broke. I miss her presence. I miss her music. I also miss my good friend, John. You know... He leads us to paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is a God of purpose. And whatever your purpose is, God will reveal it to you today.
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is a God of testing. He moves us into a place where we are tested. Because it is through our testing that we grow. It is through our testing that we find out who we really are and what we're really made of. And just like I've been tested this morning and I had no way of knowing that I was going to rejoice with tears like this, (laughs) I will proceed. The rest of the verse says, I will fear no evil. God is a God of confidence. And that's amazing. For thou art with me. God is a God of faithfulness. I love what Lamentations um, chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 says. That, you know, if it, <clears throat> that his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness towards us. I'm going to read that to you. I shared that with a, a sister of mine the other day. But Lamentations, if you want to follow with me, Lamentations is in the Old Testament. And if it takes you a little while to get there, that's okay, because we don't really open Lamentations very often. And What does Lamentations mean? When we lament, when we cry, when we come before the, the King of glory and we, we're broken and lost, um, we lament. If somebody wants to help me read it this morning, that's great too. We're going to get through this together. And I have a few more minutes to, to be able to get through a whole lot of wonderful things that I want to share with you. But the key point of Lamentations is God's faithfulness. Does anybody have it and want to read it? No? Okay. Go ahead. Amen. I love that verse because it says that every morning his compassions are new. His mercies are new every morning. And that's why we can wake up in faith. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me the strength. So we're going to continue. And I think this is where um, my trust in the Lord is going to arise It says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is a God of consolation. In in the midst of turmoil and tragedy and failure and sin and unrest in my soul, God has been faithful to console me, to console those of you that have just uh, felt that emptiness in their heart before. Thou preparest a table before me. In that part of this verse, it says, God is a God of service and preparation. You know, thou preparest a table before me refers to, um, refers to what the shepherds would do. They would, would go into the fields and on hands and knees, they would look for potholes and areas that would be of danger to their sheep. Because one hurt sheep uh, was a big loss. And of course, the shepherd had a heart for his sheep 
And that's why I love Psalms 23, because we are his sheep. And he wants to protect us. And so his rod and staff, they comfort us and they bring consolation. God is a God of service and protection. In the presence of my enemies, God is a God of protection and care. He wants to guide us, to protect us, to care for us. The next part of the verse says, Thou anointest my head with oil, and God is a God of consecration. My cup runneth over. God is a God of abundance. And that's amazing. That he wants to give good gifts to his children. And so many times we don't believe that. So many times we fail to receive what God has already given to us. And he's placed within us. Because of fear. Or because of guilt and shame. Or because of just disbelief. But God is a God of abundance. Surely goodness. God is a God that is good. He is a God that stretches out his hands to you so that you can sense his presence. After surely goodness comes mercy, and God is a merciful God. If it wasn't for God's mercy, I guarantee you today I would not stand before you. I've looked back in the times of my life, just growing up, just from the birth to different times in my young life and adolescence and young adulthood where I shouldn't have made it. But God had a plan for me. And he's got a plan for you. And he tells us that in Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows that the plans that he has for us, plans to prosper us, plans to give us hope and a future, plans to give us what we don't believe in ourselves that we can receive. Because we've believed the enemy far too long. So he shows us mercy. The following verse says, Shall follow me. God is a God of companionship. And when we look towards him, we know where to go, who to follow, what to do, what steps to take. All the days is the next verse. God is a God of consistency every day. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And sometimes I use this example when I'm working with people. I said, you have a lot of faith today. And they look at me kind of in a, in a very intri- an intrigued way. And why do you say I have a lot of faith? I said, did you wake up this morning and wonder whether the sun was going to be up? Well, no. Did you wonder that... Uh, you know, you were when you turned on the faucet, that water was going to come out. Well, no. I said, yeah, we take a lot of things for granted, but it takes faith. Simple faith. And I said, and God loves to show that, that he is consistent. He is a loving God. And that's why he's left us a roadmap that we can follow. And that's beautiful. Okay, well, let's continue. We know that God is a God of consistency. The next part of the verse says, of my life. He is a God of vitality and energy and life. He wants to give where 
in John chapter 10, verse 10, says that the enemy wants to kill. He came, he came to seek, to kill, and destroy. And so we know that uh, it is because of God's grace that we're here. And the next verse says, I will dwell. He is a God of communion. He wants to commune with us. Isn't that amazing that the God of the universe wants to commune with you and I? That is beautiful. In the house of the Lord is that a God, he is a God of security forever. And he is a God of eternity. He is the great I am. I just didn't want to go through uh, this verse uh, just rattling things off, but I'm going to summarize it. God is a God of relationship. He is a God of supply. He is a God of rest. He is a God of refreshment. He is a God of healing. He is a God who guides. He is a God of purpose, a God of testing, a God of confidence, of faithfulness, of consolation, of service, of protection, of care, of consecration, of abundance of goodness, of mercy, of companionship, of consistency, of vitality, of communion, security, and eternity. I go back in my imagination and I believe that my dear mother survived because she heard the words of God speaking to her. The words of Matthew 28, verse 20, the last part of that verse says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. What a wonderful promise. So, like I said, where you're at, it doesn't matter where you're at, where you've been, what you've done. God calls you because he wants to commune with you. God's amazing love kept me alive and he's kept each and every one of us alive. We're a miracle and we have to acknowledge that. Through our failures, through our foibles, through living outside of God's will, he, he pursues us. Now, if you haven't met a God who pursues you yet, you need to get to know him. You need to get to know God who loves you. Once upon my time in my life, I was like James 1.22 where it says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And I like this passage because I can reflect on my life and I can go back and look and see for a good portion of my life, I was just a hearer of the word, but I wasn't a doer of the word. I knew a lot, but I didn't really know God. I knew about God. And I could share with you about God, but I didn't have that close-knit relationship with God. So there's a difference. And I, in my teaching on a daily basis, I also, I also uh, share that with others, you know. When, when I'm instructing on something and, and, and they say, oh, yes, I know that. And I said, yes, that's true. You may know it. But there's a difference between knowing and doing, right? And so that's, that's where James 1.22 just brings me back into that need for relationship with God let's let's become doers of the word not just hearers let's not deceive ourselves into saying I know well we do know but what are you doing about what you already know 
Take it from knowledge to action and from action, you will be like the woman at the well that shared. Could was so excited about sharing her new relationship with Jesus that hundreds of people were impacted by her testimony. Hundreds in one day. And that's amazing. So I, I want to share with you also, growing up, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist Christian home. And that was a difficult environment for me to grow up in. For those of you who had uh, instruction and teaching in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, when it wasn't the love of Jesus at the forefront of what was taught, it was more of what you should do and how you should live and why you should live that way. But works without love is like a clanging cymbal. It is nothing. And so expectations for me being good were high. Because now, you know, my parents did a lot of work for the church. My mom was a Bible worker in the church. And so I had to be the example. I felt like I was a PK. How many know what a PK is? Preacher's kid. (laughs) Preacher's kid. So I felt like I was a preacher's kid with a lot of expectations, with a lot of demands, with a lot of things uh, that I had to live up to. When I was young, I went in gathering. I was really good at it. How many of you know what in gathering is? Uh, for all those that, that don't know what in gathering is, is the wonderful ministry of going out and collecting funds for missions around the world. And I wanted to to be the best at that I could be. Why? Um, because there was this little older man that was faithful. I, I, I now know and I can look back and I say, that man had a relationship with God. And because he did, he did real well. He was humble. He would plead and ask. And people gave to him. And I had more selfish ambitions I was looking at that and I was saying, yeah, I'm going to be the best I can be too. So one year I decided it didn't matter whether it was cold or it was hot. It didn't matter. I was out there with my little can asking people to share their money so that people around the world could know Jesus. Isn't it amazing how God uses us even in our selfishness? (laughs) You know, that was pretty amazing. So yeah. I was acknowledged right up at the front with a bunch of adults that had faithfully gone in gathering. I was the only kid up there, and I was 12 years old. And uh, at 12 years old, of course, I had to go through the rite of passage as well. You've got to accept the Lord. You've got to get baptized, and I did. And I think the, the reason I did is because of the love of the pastor who showed, shared God with me. I still wasn't completely convinced i was convinced in my young brain to the point where i said yeah this is this is what i want to do and this is what my parents expect me to do and because this pastor pastor cortez um told me that he was willing to baptize me i said i'm going to get baptized so um i lived that life but i i didn't live it from the heart I lived it with a mask of piety that I tried to do all the right things. 
live all the right ways just so that I could demonstrate that to others and look behind my back to see if somebody was watching me. And that got old. I never really felt like I knew myself. You know, I went call portering as well for for a few seasons. And even in my half-hearted efforts, God blessed. There was a family that I went to sell books to that accepted Christ. I found this out later on. And I was sharing that with Olga, and Olga says, you know, you never told me that. And I said, yeah, I really didn't want to say it because it was kind of embarrassing to me because how, how would I not know that God had impact and power? How could I not believe that he was working through me when I had the faith to knock on a door and share something with them that would bring them closer to God? You know, in the words of Ron Halverson, who I really loved, and he's since also passed. He said, sin is who we are. It's in our DNA. No one teaches us how to lie. No one teaches us how to cover up. No one teaches us how to be selfish. No one teaches us to be uncommitted. No one teaches us to be angry. No one teaches us to blame. We can go back to the Garden of Eden and see that pattern of those behaviors. And so... We naturally are polarized to them. But I'm here today to say that great is God's faithfulness. That it doesn't matter how long you've been away from Him. Is that you are drawn to Him when He is lifted up. So the pain and the blame and the anger and the sorrow and the selfishness and the cover-ups and the deceit, the brokenness that I lived was a direct result of not understanding how powerful my relationship with God could be to break the chains that were binding me. I grew up in a home now, you know, my mother married and, and my stepfather promised to love me and to share his affection towards me, but he was broken. He didn't know how. He was an angry, controlling man. And he loved me in his own way, but he didn't understand what love really was. And so that only perpetuated my desire to walk away from what I knew. The other part of my life is I lost my grandfather, which is uh, a dear part of my life. And when I lost my grandfather, my grandmother came in to live with us. And when my grandmother came in, she brought another infusion, should I say, an inoculation of faith. She used to love to pray and to read scripture. And I was very blessed to have my grandmother because as my father was working and my mother was out, you know, sharing the love of Jesus with other people, I felt like I was growing up by myself. So my grandmother became my new mother. Life went on, and um, as I grew older, um, my parents were having trouble in their relationship, in their marriage relationship. And the conflict got worse and worse over time. 
And so this is my belief. They never told me this up front, but I believe that they thought boarding school was a good (laughs) growing experience. And because it was a good growing experience, that I should go to boarding school. And then if I did really well in my freshman year, I could decide the school I wanted to go to. And so I think it was another cover-up just so that I wouldn't see how bad things were at home. So boarding school, you know, they'll feed him, they'll take care of him, he'll get some Bible teaching, and hopefully he'll get some education too. God was great, and he was merciful again. And in the midst of all of this turmoil and tragedy that was going on in my home, um, they said, okay, you're going to go to the school that you want to go to. And so I I picked Monterey Bay Academy. And so here I was, thrilled to go. Not thrilled with the idea, but finally I get to make some decisions for myself instead of having to listen to every single decision that was being made for me. And uh, (laughs) I should have known better. You know, a couple months before I'm supposed to leave, my mother comes up to me and she says, well, uh, you're going to go somewhere else. You're not going to go to Monterey Bay Academy. We found this other good school that's really good and it's got a good reputation, and so you're going to go to Real Indo. And Real Indo Academy, okay, Real Indo. All right, what do I know about Real Indo? Nothing. All I know is that it's uh, near Santa Rosa um, and it's, it's up in a beautiful area. So they took me up there and... Um, My goodness, God in his mercy worked at that moment in my life um, to be accepting of that. Not to be just crushed because I didn't get to go to where I wanted to go, but be accepting of what his will was for me. And I had a a hard time with that. And so uh, in the midst of all of this, (laughs) I ended up living right over the dean's home, right over the dean's house. Why is this important? Well, because God put me with a roommate that saw in my own brokenness God in me. And that was amazing. I couldn't see it in myself, but others could. And as a matter of fact, I I actually had to move rather quickly and abruptly out of that room because, um, you know, one of the, one, uh, I had a, even though we were lived right over the dean's house, my, my dear roommate, who had his own troubles and trials and tribulations, uh, resorted to smoking marijuana. <laughs> so he started opening up the door, uh, the window, to the dorm room right over the dean's house, okay? And you know, if anybody knows how marijuana smells, it doesn't have a, a very, uh, very, um, dis- well, it has a distinct smell, but it, it, it's something that, you know, you can, you can smell it not just in, in, in the area where you're at, but the smell disperses. Anyways, why do I tell you this? Because um, my roommate said, you know, this is not you. This is me. And even if you asked me for it, I wouldn't give it to you because you're not that kind of guy. So I told him, I said, okay, well, I'm going to be moving out of this room because I need to move. Uh, You know, I can't be around just the smell, smoke, the smoke bothers me. 
And um, so I moved on. And that, that was an experience that, that God saved me from. That, uh, you know, one of the things that I really didn't get drawn to was drugs and alcohol, even though I was exposed to them, even though my roommate would have me try this and try that. But I, I just, you know, I didn't go there. And so um, that was a that was a big blessing. And why do I tell you this? Because uh, that's I think you know when I went to boarding school, I had a lot of freedom, and and I, I was trying to find out who I was, and uh, that that kind of sent me off in a very very um, in, in a life with with not a lot of good direction, even though I had that. And I love the verse in the Bible that says. Raise up the child in the way they should go, and when he becomes older, he will not depart from it. Well, I'm older now, and I'm coming back to it. Because that promise that was spoken to me so long ago is becoming real in my life today. So where I have been uncommitted and... um, very careless God has brought me through and as I come back you know I went through my school my um, high school years and then into college and um, this this idea of not being committed and dealing with my fears and my my um, my own doubts just became strong and I looked up, I look at myself and I, I searched for words as I was putting this message together and I was a sharing. I don't want to take too much longer, but um, I hope that you can give me about another maybe 15 minutes to cover what I want to share with you because I, th- I believe it's important. It's a pivotal part of what I want to share as, as part of this message. Um, I was the kind of person that at the first wind of trial, I was out of the room. I didn't have any roots in Christ, no real connection with Christ. I wasn't joined in spirit and in truth. I wasn't joined in spirit and truth, you know, with my parents, with my God, and then when I got married with my wife. In my brokenness, I really didn't have an understanding of responsibility with relationship. Because all of my relationships were very, very dysfunctional and broken. And I know that some of you can connect with that. And so it appeared that um, I was in relationship out of convenience. And when there was no convenience for me and no connection, I would walk away from my responsibility. You cannot have true relationship without reciprocity. And God wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to to unite with you. And um, I was more of a taker than a giver. I was a giver in many aspects because I wanted people to, to like me. Not because I had the confidence in Christ to say, you know what, I'm valuable in Christ. And because of that, I love you. Christ loves you. And that's why I give to you. 
So God has had to reframe my thinking so that I have a better understanding of what it means to be responsible, to be loving, to be caring, to understand what true love is and what responsibility for our fellow man is, for responsibility for myself, responsibility for my marriage, responsibility for uh, the responsibilities, you know, at work, at church. So when I got married, I meant well. I had a sincere heart full of love and expectation. But because I came from a very broken environment, I also realized much later that this is only what I thought. It really wasn't who I was. So I promised so much more than I was able to deliver because I had not grown up in the Word and in relationship. Truly grown up in the Word and in relationship with God. And so I want to share with you real quickly a story. And uh, I want to respect the time uh, that has been given. And so I'm going to try to do this in the next 10 minutes. Um, I go on and say that my marriage suffered as a, rela- uh, as a result of all my own um, baggage that I carried in because I carried my sins with me. I carried my blame. I carried my shame. I carried my insecurities. I carried my deceit. And I carried and carried and carried. The list goes on. And we don't want to give glory to the uh, just the sufferings, but we want to give glory to God for the healing. How can a broken husband love his wife like Christ loved the church? I was not doing for God what I wanted God to do for me. And what does that mean? That I wasn't truly in relationship. I wanted that relationship from God, but all I wanted that relationship for was out of convenience, not because I had really given myself to him. And that same, that went the same with my marriage, you know. I, I felt so many things that I was, uh, that I was not doing well. And I was not doing for my wife what I wanted her to do for me. And then I wondered why. Why she felt more at peace away from me than around me many times. And um, by God's grace, um, he's, he's bringing restoration even in that broken part of my relationship with my dear wife. So I thank God for, for his loving care and mercy and uh, because he never gave up on me. And I, I'm going to share this just an example. You know, I have a few friends that are highway patrols. And, um, you know, how many of us have been speeding down the road and, and we see the sirens and, and the lights flashing behind us and, we're, you know, our heart starts racing. And we know, we know what's going to happen, that we're going to get pulled over. And many times we're sorry for the repercussions that are going to come. We're sorry for the repercussions, but we're not sorry for the actions that we took. We're sorry for the repercussions because, you know, as a result, there's going to be some inconveniences. We're going to get a ticket. We're going to have to tell our wife or or our husband that, uh, you know, we we got pulled over. Uh, We may have to go to... uh, 
to driving school to try to erase the points and to try to remedy the situation. But are we really sorry for what we did? Or how soon do we forget and we go back to being the same person that we were, doing the same things that we did to get us to the place where, where we need not be? But I'm here to tell you that God is a God of love and that he never gives up on us. And he sent his prophets. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, we see a story. And the story is that um, here's, here's, here's God loving his, the people of Israel who has strayed away from him, who time after time have, have gone their own way and have not done what he's asked them to do. And, and he sends the prophet Ezekiel and he says, you know, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you this example. And in this, and in this vision, uh, he shows them uh, an area or, or a valley of dry bones. Dead lives, which is a representation of what the children of Israel were. Ezekiel was shown in this vision as the spiritual state of Israel. And the Israelites felt so disconnected from God, they felt hopeless. They, they felt helpless. And, you know, when I want to, I'm speaking about the valley of the shadow of death with you today because, you know, we've all gone through it at one point. But I want to share something that God shared with me, you know. Yea, though I go through the valley of death. Many of us stay in the valley of death. And we permeate in the valley of death. And we get used to the valley of death. But God says, no, I want to take you through it. Because on the other side is what I got for you. And so that is an amazing, that is an amazing thing that, that was revealed to me and to not stay in the valley of death, to not stay in that valley of the dry bones. And so the Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy and to say something very powerful and to speak over these dry, brittle bones that had no life. And just like God restored the future of the people of Israel, sending his breath of life, the resurrection. And, and, and Ezekiel got to see this, you know, all of a sudden, these dry bones became living beings. And he saw that. And that was because of the breath of life. And all these, these dead bodies were resurrected. And these bones were brought through, through to life because of God's spirit. And God can do the same thing for us. God can resurrect your dead marriage. God can resurrect your dead family. God can resurrect your dead situation at work. God can take you to a place of resurrection where you feel like you are completely lost, but then found. Blind, but now you see. That's why the words of amazing grace are just awesome. So we ask for the Holy Spirit to resurrect our faith and trust in Him completely and to work more readily in our lives. And so... I want to share with you the rest of the turning point. I want to share four things that are very powerful because uh, these four things I hope that you will take with you. Just like God did in my life, he wants to do in for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter five seventeen, he says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. 
What an amazing promise. You know, where, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. God loves you. He is an amazing God of promise. He is an amazing God that wants to share his eternal peace with you. And I'm going to share some of those promises with you, but I want to share these four things. God is a God of mercy with me. That's why God has taken the mess in my life and he's giving me a message. He's turning all this testing because he wants me to give my testimony. My trials, he wants to turn into triumph. And living as a victim, no longer, but living as a victor in Christ. But many of you say, well, how do you do that? And I'm so glad you asked. I go back to God's amazing love, and it goes back to the basics. When Jesus was asked, you know, well, what do we need to do? What, what, what do we need to do to be saved? And he broke it down. He, he took the Ten Commandments. How many of you, I'm going to say this real quickly. How many of you like juicing or have had a juice that's been really good? And what is a juice? A juice is nothing more but a compilation of a lot of good things squeezed and extracted so that you can get the essence, right? And, and I, I say that because God's amazing love is that way. And we can actually um, learn from what he said, going back to the basics. How do I have a relationship with God? What do I do to get close to him? How is he going to change my life? And what he, his response was, you love God, love the Lord with all your heart. And the second commandment is the same, love others as yourself. So loving God and loving people is the strength of the message that I want to share today. We need to open up our hearts to love others. No matter how difficult it is, pray that God open up your heart and your mind to receive that power in order to love others. Because that's what he wants. We can be truthful and we can be honest with people, but if we're not loving with people, that truth and that honesty avails for nothing. It goes in one ear and out the other. It doesn't have the impact. It doesn't have the power that God wants it to have. God's power can change circumstances. God's power can change relationships. God's power can help us face daily struggles, heal physical problems, heal psychological problems, remove marriage obstructions and obstacles, meet our financial needs. God's power can handle any difficult dilemma or discouragement. God can handle any addiction. Everything that you're going through is not news to him. It's not like you're going to continue hiding and saying, oh, I hope that God doesn't see me. We do that. We fool ourselves into thinking that we can, but we can't. God's really trying to shine the light, and I want to share one more thing. Galatians uh, 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of Christ, that Christ has made us free and not to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. He wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So today, I want us to be alive in Christ. And why do I say this? Because God's amazing love saves us. God's amazing love is easier uh, than we understand. You know, salvation is really simple. And some of, some of you may argue with me, but that's okay. But I'm going to share with you John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world. See, salvation is simple. It's liberating. 
it's exciting. And it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We know that. Salvation is simple. But believe me, it was costly. It is simple to be saved. It's more difficult to be lost, did you know that, than it is to be saved? You have to really struggle to stay lost than it is for God's mercy to pick you up and tell you, this is where I want you to be. And I give you, I give you one more example, and with this I'll close because I want to share a couple of words with you as we close. And, and, and I'd like to invite you to consider a decision with me. We know that God is costly, and, and, and God gave this, this one parable of the ten coins. And, and I was listening to Henry Wright, and this is where I, I got this from. Henry Wright was preaching about the, 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 the beauty of that parable of the ten coins, where this woman had ten coins. She lost one. And she was looking over the, everywhere. She was sweeping and cleaning and everything. And the coin represents us. And we may be dusty, and we may be full of sin and hurts and sufferings. But God's word, when it's shined and elevated, we still are capable of reflecting that light. We are still capable of reflecting the light of the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of all our trials and tribulations. So I ask uh, today that we receive that. And I, I'm going to challenge each and every one of us. God gave me the words of this song that so long ago came. And I used to sing it all the time. And maybe you guys know it's called Pass It On. And I just want to share the few words that God gave me in, in, in my remembrance. And it says it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. And that is my challenge for you today. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior and only pretended, then my request for you to join me up here in a word of prayer is for you. If you don't know Christ, and you want to experience him in the fullest, I also invite you to come and I'm going to share a prayer with you. Because the relationship that we have with God is amazing. And there's only one way. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So come forward and I will pray. I think this is the only time when you're going to hear a preacher from the front say, I'm going to answer my own call. And, and this is an opportunity for us to share our hearts and say, Lord, I love you. I want to recommit my life to you. If that is you, you can stand up as well. For those of you that, that want to do this, and I just, uh, I just love to um, have... Thank you very much, Ellen. Ellen, would you mind playing the same song that was being played before the, the very last... Um, song that that um, that was being played right now. I yes, Lord, um, the one before that one.
Savior like a shepherd? Yes. Savior like a shepherd lead us. And the words of that song are just very powerful, and, and Psalms 23 just kind of comes together. So uh, I'm just going to ask you one more time, if you want to give your life to the Lord today, if today God is tugging on your heart, but you're still sitting down, don't be afraid. We're family here. You know, I, 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 shed my, I shared my heart and my story with you um, and I hope to do it much more efficiently and in a much better way on another occasion. But um, I just pray that the Holy Spirit touch your heart and, uh, and that we may turn ourselves over to, to Christ. So as I kneel before you guys right now, I just, uh, I'm just going to invite God's presence. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you take the the time to seek and save the lost. Thank you, Father, that there are those here that have given their hearts to you today and that are confessing that they are no good without you, but with you all things are possible. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for saving each and every one of us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to pass it on. For those of us that are well established and rooted in Christ, let's pass it on. For those of you who are new, let this new fire burn within you and pass it on. Your your promises are true. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. So that where you are, where I am, you may be also. What a wonderful promise that we have in John 14, 1, 2, 3, Father. You're getting ready to come and take us home. So help us be prepared, Father. Help us be sincere of heart and of mind. And of body, Father, as we, we uh, come to you. Thank you for hearing this prayer. And thank you for using this humble servant in your presence today. In the blessed name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.